0: Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about graduation. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns.
1: I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns.
0: And today we're talking about the rom-com seminal classic Say Anything. Cameron Crowe, 1989. This is one of, uh, this is actually his directorial debut, yeah, I love this one.
1: I love this movie. It's such a classic. If you ever wondered why people hold boomboxes up
0: to so <laughs> people they love, movie. this is why. Yeah, that boombox scene has gotta have been referenced a hundred.
1: And it's like not even like the big romantic like pinnacle of the movie. Yeah. Which like I always forget. I always think it's like this big moment, and like she ignores
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you should definitely watch this movie if you haven't already. But in case you haven't, the plot of this movie basically is Lloyd Dobler graduates from high school. He falls in love with Diane, who's the valedictorian. They date, but her life is turned upside down when she finds out her father's been embezzling. It rattles their relationship and their whole lives.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash anthro267 bonus episode for this month is is Wildlife wildlife, an installment of our Cameron Crowe Expo leave a review on Apple Podcasts and as always thank you and enjoy there is so much classism in this movie it drove me insane
0: yeah it's troubling especially like when he sits down when he's at dinner and he's talking about like his dream of being a kickboxer and everyone's looking at him like are you out of your goddamn mind
1: like what what a what a concept that an 18 year old is or 18 19 year old is very like I don't know what I want to do. I, I'm a kid. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah,
0: that is like the central problem I have with this movie. Is like, not not with this movie, I right. think, but with the culture around this movie. Yeah. Of like forcing 17 and 18 year olds to pick what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. And I think this, is, this movie is kind of like an intentional take on yeah. that. Like it's kind of an intentional blow up of like, of course, an 18-year-old doesn't know what he wants to do for the rest of his life because he's not fully baked yet. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting. And that that thing just drives me crazy because I also didn't know what I wanted to do at 17 or 18. And not I just a clue. wasted a lot of fucking time doing a lot of other bullshit when if I had just had the time and the freedom to, like, sit with myself and, like, figure out who i was i would have made a lot different and better choices
1: yep i feel that there's a lot of regret around my college years because i didn't take the time or wasn't allowed the time to figure out what I was doing or what I wanted to do.
0: Well, because there's just this, like, rush to just, like, immediately rush everyone off into college from high school. It's because you
1: got to just keep them busy so they don't figure out that the whole system's broken.
0: Truly, right? It's like you can't allow them any freedom. You have to make sure they keep getting indoctrinated so that they'll make the best possible worker bees right and also like that way you can turn them upside down debt wise and you can do whatever you want to them because they need money desperately to get their head above water on all their student debt yeah also speaking of student debt i think this is i mean i think all Tuition should be free. Like, stupid. Knowledge should not be guarded by money. Precisely. But also, I think if you don't finish college, they should wipe away your student debt. Right. Because, like, I didn't finish college. I have, like, $35,000 in student loan debt and no degree to show for it. Right. Because it cost me too much money to finish school, so I couldn't finish school so now I have to pay back all this fucking money I couldn't afford in the first place, but without the benefit of the degree because of the money. Yeah. it's a fu- And I cannot be the only person. Oh, absolutely not. It's just fucking ludicrous. It's just a system like designed to cripple people because desperate people make desperate choices. Yeah. And desperate people will do anything to be less desperate. Yeah. Which is kind of the whole American model, right? It's just, like, make everyone as desperate as possible so that they have to scratch and claw and destroy each other so they don't think about how we are actually the ones destroying them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, So what was the timer on that... Bingo, that bingo card rant to communism—that might have been a record for us. That was, it was pretty like two fast. two and a half minutes into the podcast.
1: Can we just secede from the nation so and create our own happy West Coast?
0: Well, I think I think this movie is a good example of like the terrible things that money drives people to. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like in my communist utopia. This care facility exists. These people are taken as good a care of as is humanly possible, right? Yep. And then all the people involved, like, all the people who work there should also be taken care of. And the people who, you know, manage and run the thing, they should be able to send their kids to school and set them up to have good lives because everyone should be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the fact that he spent the better part of two decades embezzling money from like, the elderly and their families just to, like, be able to send his kid to college and, like, set her up with a good life is kind of fucking devastating. Like, it's kind of a horrifying commentary on, like, our economic system that truly the only way to get ahead and set up your children is either to already be rich or to extort someone.
1: Yeah. I think this is a really good example of what happens when you keep your kids on a pedestal as like their child selves and don't embrace them growing up and turning into their own person. Totally. Because like he seems to just like want to continually protect her and like not let her face the world alone and is unwilling to let her learn and explore her own self. Right.
0: and Which like we've talked at length about how that's just like bad parenting
1: yeah because yeah his whole like speech to her to justify it was like i wanted you so when you came back you could have whatever you wanted right which is like fair like fair but
0: like, like you shouldn't the system shouldn't be up set up so you have to extort people to get that
1: yeah yeah
0: like we all should be able to first of all We all should be able to take a break between high school and college. Oh,
1: it should be mandatory. (laughs) When I went to
0: New Zealand, I learned this is a big thing in Europe. I had no idea where kids take like a gap year in between high school and college. I also think they finish high school earlier than we I think they do too. Um, But then they take a year or sometimes a couple in between high school and university Just to sort of, like, have a good time, figure things out, relax from school a little bit, and then, you know, more informed about themselves and the world go to college. Like, we should all be able to do that. I think everybody should just get paid a stipend for a year after high school to be like, you did it. You made it through 12 years. Fuck off. Go to Spain. Fuck some Spanish girls. Do whatever you gotta do. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Oh, I would have
1: loved to go to Spain. (laughs) I still want to go to Spain. Right?
0: And Uh, not just for the Spanish girls, but also for the paella and stuff. Oh my god, the food, (laughs) the art. Yeah. Oh,
1: the mountains. so pretty in Spain. I want to go to Europe so bad.
0: Yeah, everybody should be allowed that time to, like, do self-exploration and figure out who... They are, but, like, the capitalist mill needs more grist. Like, there has to constantly be a new stream of people to throw into the mill to, you know, grind out dollars for six people.
1: You know, you gotta sacrifice the many so the few can survive. So much fun. I love how mo- how money
0: gatekeeps everything in this country. <laughs> it is nice, though, that he's, like, a good, supportive dad.
1: He is such a good dad.
0: And, like, he doesn't... Like, as much as he is trying to keep her from growing up a little bit, he's not, like, hovering. He doesn't, like you know, give her a crazy curfew or, like, follow her around places. You can stay out
1: as late as you want, just check in with me. Right, which is a great rule. uh, The way he reacts to finding out that she had sex was beautiful. Yeah. You know, and in the beginning is very encouraging of her seeing Lloyd because he seems to be genuinely nice and, like, is supporting her dating. Right. Even though, like, it means carving away some of the time that he gets to spend with her. Yeah. Like, he's he's a really good dad. <laughs> he's a really good dad. He might be an embezzler, but he's a really good dad. Yeah, but,
0: like, again, he was doing it because he wanted to be able to support his kid. Yeah. Which... Of like, of course, that's what everybody wants, right? Yeah, I kind of think that all of the characters in this movie are really interesting. They really are. I think that is something that Cameron Crowe is really good at.
1: Yeah, I was a little worried after watching Singles because everyone was a little bit a little bit flat. flat. But like this, like I like everyone has a story arc, even if it's just Joan yeah. Cusack and her shitty ex. Who left her and her kid. Yeah. Like, you can tell her story in, like, the two scenes she's in, which is incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he does so much, like, filmmaking in such, such little time. Which is kind of amazing because, like, this is his first movie. This is his first, his directorial debut. Oh, is it? Uh huh. And, like, he's written a bunch of stuff. He wrote Fast Times. Right. So it makes sense that the. I think the script is pretty tight and the characters are pretty interesting. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, But it's really impressively directed. I mean, not flashy or anything, but impressive that so much is conveyed in such a small movie. Yeah,
1: it was, a yeah, it moved a lot quicker than I remember it. Yeah. And it, like. It clips along. It clips along really well. And there are some, like, really good storytelling points in this movie, which I was not expecting, and I was very pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah. Like, the efficiency of talking about the Cusack's parents being, of them being military brats, and their parents are in Germany, and so they, like, support each other. Right. Like, there's literally, like, one line about, like, oh, yeah, I'll call them in Germany to let them know, whatever. And that's it, like, and it just, this movie just kind of trusts you to pick up on stuff without, like... Saying, hey, hitting we'll over here. With it, which I think is a thing that first time directors. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at you, Amy Heckerling. <laughs> first Times at Richmond High could do a little bit, could be a little ham handed. Yeah. Because they're not so sure of them, their ability to convey a message.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love a movie. That focuses more on storytelling than, like, not necessarily not paying attention to the production side of things, but, like, isn't as production heavy as much as I like. I love watching pretty movies, it's always lovely, it's always wonderful seeing cool special effects. But, like, a lot of the time, story and, like, the entertainment value of said story gets lost in it. And I think Cameron Crowe did a really nice job of, like, taking a pretty simple setting and, like, not really creating a world around a pretty, like, simple set and like small cast of characters and it was incredible
0: yeah it definitely feels like he knew exactly what he was capable of doing and didn't knew knew not to do anymore or there was a really good producer who had a hand on the wheel going nah nah, 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 that's not what that's not it but I, you got to figure with all the stuff he's written yeah. that he's pretty adept by this. Like, he knows how a movie is put together at this point. He really
1: does. It seems like it was a really fun process to step into the director's chair through this movie. Totally. And you kind of have the... It has, like, some of the same ease on sets that we had on Amy Heckerlin's movies. And mm-hmm. it just seems like everyone's kind of doing their best and having fun with it. And like, yeah. not phoning it in or like not doing their job (laughs) totally it's i I love when movies
0: work well it sounds like he had written this movie and they were trying to find a director and he just like kept having notes and they basically were like do you want to direct this like it seems like you have better ideas about this than anybody else why don't you just direct why don't you just direct it
1: (laughs) you should just do it that is amazing. I love it. I I love that he is so picky with his directors when he writes something where he, like... He kind d- of,
0: like, gives it to one of his four friends.
1: Right. <laughs> but, like, having that trust in a director to tell a story that you created and, like, not knowing it's not going to lose any of its essence... Totally. I think is really interesting to see how directors and writers yeah. work together. Because like
0: there are plenty of writers out there who are just like total mercenaries and they'll write whatever and like maybe their name gets cut off of it and maybe it ends up not being their script at all. But that's it doesn't matter because right. they just do a lot of stuff. And that's not Cameron Crow as no. a writer. Like when you see a movie that has a Cameron Crow script Or see a movie that he made, like you can tell, it's got his feeling, his dialogue, especially all over it.
1: I love the way he writes dialogue. It's so sincere. It's so sincere, and it's there are so like half my notes are just like lines that I caught that I really
0: enjoyed. (laughs) I gave her my heart, and she gave Gave me me a a pen. pen. (laughs) Like Jesus Christ, especially the delivery. John Cusack is so good in this movie, He, but he's, like, exasperated, like, I gave her my heart. I gave her my heart, and she gave me a pen. It, this movie,
1: I think, and John Cusack in particular, I think did such a good job of showing, like, that teenage romance in like such a genuine way because like that whole line just is like first love like you know it just like screams first love and it's just like i love that you have the kind of gets lost in the relationship and doesn't know how to manage your time you have the Like, everything's in the honeymoon stage and happy and fun and we don't fight. Yeah. I love that the whole conflict is they don't talk about their emotions and, like, have a healthy discussion about what's going on. Right. And, like, it's just so... It was so cute. This whole movie (laughs) was just so cute. cute. Oh, I It made me very happy. It was, like, a big dose of dopamine I didn't know I needed. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, see, where, like, where Amy Heckerling movies kind of feel like... They're about the pain of getting older, the loss, and the struggle with identity. It feels like so far, Cameron Crowe movies are a little more celebratory. Yeah, about childhood and youth. They're they a little more. S- they
1: seem more excited about growing up, about like all the new opportunities. The potential. Yeah. yeah. Exactly
0: then Amy Heckerling seems to be afraid of getting older.
1: (laughs) That, you are not wrong.
0: You are not wrong. I watched Vamps. I know what's in your heart. (laughs) Oh, baby. Um. Uh, Yeah, it... Oh, this is another Cameron Crowe movie set in Seattle. By
1: right? Now. I was gonna say I forgot it was set in Seattle, and, and like I
0: went down such a such a rabbit hole to figure out what this dude's fucking deal with Seattle is. Maybe he? I thought maybe he went to school here, or he? Yeah, lived yeah, yeah, here yeah. No, nothing. Never lived here, as far as I could tell. Never lived here. Never went to school here. Didn't grow up here. I do not understand what his thing with Seattle is. Other than he probably was around the right age to, like, get really into grunge. But I don't... It just doesn't make sense.
1: Cameron Crowe, let us know why you like Seattle so much. Yeah, because
0: he was about 20. He was in his, like, late yeah. teens, early 20s when grunge happened. So, like, I can understand the fascination. But, like, two movies... It just feels weird.
1: It It does. Maybe it's like Maybe one of. Maybe it's
0: just because it's our city that it makes me feel weird.
1: I also think like Seattle is like one of those, it's a big city, but it's kind of still magical and nowhere land because no one, it's like small for a big city. And totally. like, no one like really comes here. Yeah. Like, they go to Chicago or LA
0: or right. New York. And, yeah, we're a little out of the way. Right.
1: And I think it's just like you can have a world in Seattle that no one's going to call your bullshit on.
0: That's, that seems fair, right. It feels like if you make a movie in New York or Chicago or L.A., people from those cities are going to be like, nah, that's not, that's fucking Toronto and we know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whereas here, any movie that's set in Seattle is probably made in Vancouver. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this movie is like barely set in Seattle the way most movies are like right. set in places. But like singles is... in Seattle. Seattle. It's all over Seattle. And this movie has, like, a couple of things. Like, when he's driving in the exteriors, sometimes you will be like, oh, that's a... Whatever. But, like, there's not really any Seattle. No,
1: but it still captures the feeling of Seattle really well. Everybody always fucks up the rain. Yeah, no one... Well, Seattle rain doesn't capture on camera well. Like... You can barely see the rain as a human being. I don't think it would, like, translate to film very well here. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It does bother me that no one really understands how it... It it doesn't rain here. It's not pouring. It's never
0: pouring rain. It's just wet. I think I've seen pouring rain three times in the six years we've lived here. Yeah. It's just, like, constant mist. It's just just enough that your glasses are always covered in water, but not enough that you even need to put your hood up. I just really, I don't know, something about any movie with a graduation scene just feels so, like, hopeful. I don't know, there's something about graduation that feels so, like, full of possibility to me. Does it? And this movie, I feel like, really nails it.
1: yeah. I...
0: You obviously disagree from your face.
1: I don't know if it's because I disassociated through all of my graduation or, like, it was as boring as I remember it, but I don't... Oh, yeah,
0: my graduation was horrible, but movie graduations are great. Yeah,
1: okay, okay, no, yeah. No, no,
0: I, real graduations are a fucking slog, and I wore headphones <laughs> through my whole graduation, but, uh, yeah, movie... Movie graduations movie are pretty Movie graduations are pretty neat. That's all I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, movie graduations are always cute. And I think one of my notes is this is why we had auditions for graduation speeches. Because of her (laughs) awkward trying to be funny line. Yeah,
0: yikes. Well, I think she's probably the valedictorian.
1: Yeah.
0: Doesn't the valedictorian always get a speech? Yeah, well. They don't have to be good. They just have to have the best grades. (laughs) (laughs)
1: we were really lucky and our valedictorian was uh, on speech team and Uh, like was actually good at giving speeches yeah why is that word so
0: hard (laughs) (laughs) i do not know
1: it's the five syllables i always get when they have like when they don't roll off your tongue as easily it's harder Mm. anyway
0: i really love the relationship with his sister and her child i love it also, it's nice, it's cool to see the Cusacks playing actual siblings. Right,
1: it's, like, <laughs> you can tell that they have a relationship and, totally. like, this actually. Is like,
0: the easiest kind of right?
1: like, I, in the movie. Right, like, I definitely feel like they were just, like, be siblings. <laughs>
0: yeah, they were like, just be you guys around. around. <laughs> Especially,
1: like, the way she runs to her room to listen on his phone call when, yeah. <laughs> uh, when Diane calls back. Yeah. Or like the like you used to be fun conversation. Yeah. Oh, it was so cute. And he's so good
0: with her son. I know. I yeah, he's so good and like yeah, I I just love men who are good with kids. Right. And i I wanted to talk about this because she says she says something like can't you stop playing and be his uncle?
1: Yeah, can you be his uncle, not his
0: playmate? Yeah, can't you be his uncle, not his playmate? And I was like, do those things have to be mutually exclusive? Like, Aren't uncles supposed to be the fun one? Right? And even, like, when you're a parent, I, I understand that you are not your child's friend when you are a parent. But, like... That doesn't mean you're not allowed to have fun. That doesn't right. mean you're not allowed to, like, you know, goof around with your kids. Like, they don't have to be afraid of you.
1: I can also see her frustration of, like, feeling like she's raising two children. A little bit, yeah. You know, I can like, totally see that. having to, like, rally both of them and not trying to lean on him more as a- more support as an adult versus, like, still being a child. Right.
0: Yeah. I guess I can see that. That's true. I could see being frustrated as a single mother. You know, if you asked, if your brother moved in with you and you asked him for help, that he he was just like goofing off all the time. That's right. really frustrating.
1: Right. Especially like, yeah, I having your kid get into kickboxing must be kind of weird um, i like putting your kid into sports where they're activity. gonna get right it's just like where they could potentially get hurt and like letting yeah. them potentially get hurt must be very like hard to deal with at, at first totally. and like yeah he's he's still a young kid so it's definitely like one of those first like steps of independence it uh-huh. feels like can we talk about the scene where lloyd tries to go to a group of boys for advice and like immediately hates it i love that lloyd has like his two best friends are girls right, right and he like has this really good support system of like learning how to be emotionally emotionally intelligent and like communicating with girls and like knows how to be sweet and kind because he has these friends to rely on yeah when he's like in the middle of his adorable little breakdown because diane broke up with him he goes to the gas station to, like, talk, talk to, to guys, guys, guys talk about to it. Cause, gas station guys, yeah. And, like, immediately is like, no. no. This ain't it. <laughs> like, he calls them out of, like, why if you know so much about women, why are you alone on a Friday night?
0: Yeah, I wrote that these gas station dudes are uh, proto-incels. Oh, absolutely. They're like, oh, well, I'm a horrible person, and I refuse to do any self-work or self-examination. So no one will date me. But obviously, because I can't do any self-reflection, it can't be my fault. So obviously, women are horrible. And so the only choice is to not date them. Not because I'm unattractive or, like, unappealing. But because women are all bitches and they hate me. (laughs) Oh boy. Shall we unpack
1: that statement, my friends?
0: Yeah. So many problems here, friend.
1: I I really just enjoyed him pulling away from that and just going, that was a mistake. We're (laughs) not taking any of that in. Right.
0: And I think it's funny because Cameron Crowe said that he is not good at writing women.
1: Really? I think he's done a wonderful job.
0: Right, exactly. I think so too. And it feels like this movie is kind of like a challenge to himself to be like, okay, you think you're not good at writing women? Well, write a movie with only two men in it. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, there's the dad. There's, like, Diane's dad and John Cusack. And that's and pretty much it. And those are the only adult men in the whole movie, pretty much. Yeah. John Cus- and, like, there's the guys. There's
1: a couple side characters, right. but they're there's there, a there for a side- scene. exactly.
0: And otherwise, it's just, John Cusack's two friends are women. Diane and, like, everybody else we interact yeah. with is women.
1: I have such big crushes on his two friends, i know Corey, the bass player I, Ugh, I adore Corey. i think she is such an interesting character yeah. i think her i was the way she's written and how she handles her ex joe was brilliant like you have this like on again off again he broke her heart kind of and then he like corners her at the party and is all like i want you back and she says no and walks away beautiful it's stunning because how many times in movies does the girl just fold and go Of of course i want you back yeah and she's because just that's like that's
0: the fantasy that men have
1: right and she's women like women are
0: secretly still pining after that
1: because that's what he wants he's obviously been just stringing her along because right. he wants the attention exactly because his whole thing is well my current girlfriend's going off to college and i'm gonna be alone
0: right it's yeah it's just fear of loneliness yeah i had that note that like so much of dating is just fear of loneliness like yeah people who aren't comfortable being alone with themselves just have to have someone to date so that they don't ever have to do that i think
1: this movie does a really good job about calling that out in general of like because that's a theme in teen dating especially yeah. of like you know feeling alone for the first time and like wanting to fill that void yeah because there's a line when diane comes back to lloyd and is all like i i I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. And he goes, do you need someone, or do you you need need me? me? And I, like, yeah, knowing that is something that is going on in this situation is so emotionally mature. Like, that is something, like, as an adult that I was still struggling with. And here we have a 19-year-old, like, showing that intelligence in a movie, and it's a masculine character showing that.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: It was... I, yeah, I forgot how much I love this movie and how, like, absolutely, like, what a gorgeous portrait of positive masculinity. Yeah.
0: And I really wanted at the beginning of this to hate Lloyd. Like, the way... Because of so many romantic comedies, like, you're expecting him to do the classic, like, nice guy thing of, like, she says no and you just keep badgering her over and over until she says yes. But, like... He doesn't do that at all. No. He just calls her and he gets lucky and then he's just like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah.
1: Doesn't pointing out the glass for her to step yeah, around. Like
0: this. Take note nice guys. Like this. This is. He is a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, Not a quote unquote nice guy. This is what a nice he's guy looks kind like. kind and giving and he's like aware and comfortable communicating his emotions and he knows what he wants out of a relationship like this is what emotional maturity looks
1: right like, like him being nervous when like they're about to have sex like him shaking and all, it's just like yeah uh, uh we we love a soft boy yeah and More like
0: men like this character yes
1: be like lloyd Also, I love that his name is Lloyd. I don't know why. The name just cracks me up.
0: (laughs) Although, okay. Lloyd, almost certainly, I don't know this from... I haven't done any research, but I almost guarantee you Lloyd is a Welsh name. Because of the double L. L and the Y.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So, talking about him being a nice guy, I don't... Because it was the days before texting, I don't think this is... It's excessive, but I don't think it's unheard of of calling a girl eight times without her calling her you back. Yeah. Like, it does seem excessive. It seems like she said no, and you're just pushing it. Yeah. But I also understand, like, there is only, like, one way to communicate, and you're not running into her at the school anymore. Right. And I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it still seems creepy. It does still seem very, very creepy. Yeah. And then just as 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 romantic and sweet as the boombox movies, it is this creepy. It is
0: still kind of creepy, yeah.
1: Grand gestures tend to, like, kind of be creepy. Yeah, grand
0: gestures are not as integral to relationships as movies would have you believe. No, they're like not. The, all of the, you know, the showing up, the, like, going to the prison to visit his dad, like, all of that stuff. You know, the the being emotionally available, yeah. the being vulnerable when they're having sex, like all that stuff adds up to a lot more yeah. than like showing up at her house with a boombox. Absolutely. To, you know?
1: Yeah. Although, you know, you could always communicate with your partners and if this is if that's grand gestures like that are like if something I'm, you both agree to,
0: go yeah, for it. Then great. Like if that's a thing you both want, but I don't know that I've ever That's certainly not a thing I've ever wanted, and I don't know too many people who do. No.
1: I don't, you know, people, there are many uh, different types.
0: Yeah, I suppose. the worlds. I just, I also think, this is interesting, that it's so funny, this is such a trope in high school movies, where kids who graduate from high school just have this, like, existential, like, fear and dread of like going into the world as adults. And I think like as a culture we've sort of made it into a joke. But I think it belies like a real failure of the system to train our children to be adults. I also to think the fact that so many of them feel so completely unmoored by not having like total structure all day every day.
1: I also think This is a problem with our tendency of binary thinking of you are a child or you are an adult. There's no grace period where really from seventeen to twenty-one, you're this not quite an adult, not quite a child anymore. Right.
0: I might even go down to sixteen. Yeah. 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 And for a lot of people, like your adult personality doesn't settle in until like your late 20s 20s, 26
1: 27 28 like it's and again we don't encourage growth and change in our society and within our human selves and i think that we joke around a lot like a lot of teenage pain has become a joke
0: right because and, we're just unwilling to address the pain of children.
1: Right. Because we're like, because we don't see them as genuine emotions because, oh, they're just teenagers. They're over dramatic. They right. don't, you know, all teenagers feel things I'm like, so meet them there right like how hard is it to meet them there and be like you're right right now it does feel like the end of the world and i'm sorry that it's you're going through this here are some steps here are some tips we can go through here's some emotional regulation training we can go through and instead
0: we just beat kids with like well when you're an adult no one's gonna coddle you and it's like well i'm not an adult now so why don't you give me some tools So that when I am an adult and people aren't going to coddle me, I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Rather than just, like, smacking me on the head about it.
1: Right? Or, you know, like, maybe as adults we could also, like, show each other a little bit more of empathy and, like, understanding. And, like, when our friends go through breakups, we, like, help them out through it. Let's go get drunk and watch cheesy movies, you know? it's a very masculine point of view of like you will never have a support system again you have to be on your own i feel right, like right. because like that's what we teach our men and like that's what is expected it's also
0: a very capitalist like especially american randian capitalist that's true ideology it is. of like There is no system. There can be no support structure. You are an island unto yourself, and it is your job to destroy as many neighboring islands to make yours as tall as possible. You know you build. I don't make these things up. This is just the culture.
1: (laughs) Y'all know it's stronger when it has support, right? Like building. They
0: don't don't know that. No
1: towers. They truly
0: think that a, a single tower is stronger than a pyramid because they don't understand physics. I was saying, like, say, did y'all play Jenga as a kid? <laughs> I feel like... You, in J- the Jenga, right? The one where you stack up all the blocks end to end the long way? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That oh, game's so hard. Man, <laughs> I hate Jenga. It's so loud. Yeah. I, oh, man. Somebody should make... Oh, when I was a kid... We used to play, this was before like life size Jenga for adults was a thing, but we used to play Jenga with. Did you have those like cardboard blocks as a kid? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The ones that yeah, yeah, looked yeah. like bricks, yeah, but they yeah, were just yeah. like hollow cardboard boxes. We would play like Jenga with those, and then when they fall, they don't make such a loud crack-a-lack noise. They just go. <laughs> anyway, so what I'm saying is cardboard Jenga, cardboard, audio-sensitive, sen- audio friendly. <laughs> Cardboard Jenga.
1: Can we just wrap everything in felt? Ooh, that
0: would work. Or you could even just, I bet if you even just played Jenga on a felt Uh surface, like you don't have that wood on wood. Like a poker table or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would do it.
1: We should talk about the quintessential teenage experience of realizing your parents are not who you thought they were. Yeah. Because, like, this is a slightly dramatic, over the top case. Totally. But But, like, I we all go through this. We all go through this of like realizing your parents aren't this mythical creature who are flawless, and realizing that oh shit, they're human beings and they definitely have flaws. Yeah, and have it's hard, and it's a shift that like really takes some time to get your head wrapped around. Totally.
0: Because, like, when you're a kid and your parents are everything, like, when they're your whole world, like, they they have to be superheroes. Because right. they're accomplishing everything in the whole world around you. Right. And then, yeah, you most of us sort of slowly chip away at that facade as you get older and you learn things about your parents and you see them make mistakes. But this, to have it all just sort of, like, smashed in your face immediately. And the scene where she goes... To the IRS to like explain her case, and she's yeah. like, "No, he can't possibly have done this." And the guy like gives her the the rundown, like, "We have the records, we have the statements." Like, I guarantee, like, I know this feels bad, but this is the truth. Is like truly devastating because you you want to believe her, right? right. Like,
1: she's- for like. You do believe her like it's told in a really convincing
0: way that you're like it can't be it him. Can't be this him. is definitely it has a mistake to be a mistake he's such a good guy like why would he do something right like you don't miss?
1: see him acting shady. you don't like really
0: see him and then like you get to experience the like heart drop with her yeah and then when she gets home and she starts looking around at all the like all the things that the IRS all the art and about, the rugs
1: and, and the jewelry. jewelry.
0: Yeah, it's just like you have the whole, like, realization with her, and it's, it's like, almost is enough to give you vertigo. Yeah. It's like to have that whole conception of your world, especially when you are, you know, you have a single parent, when you just live with your dad, and your dad is, like, your whole world. To have this crumble in front of you must just be...
1: Devastating. Yeah. And like, especially, like, with your life already changing as much as it is with going to college. And going to college in a different country. Right. And then having, like, the one person you have let, leaned on for all of your support just, like, completely taken away from right. you.
0: I mean, also kind of an object lesson in spreading out your support structure. Absolutely. And depending on one person for all of your support needs. Absolutely
1: which she kind of learns to do because she's like lloyd that makes like that yeah makes sense to like he her dad does uh, when uh she's confronting him about all of this says one of my least favorite things that parents say which is i'm the only dad you've got yeah which like is
0: it's really it's manipulative
1: it's so manipulative and it's like we the way that we hold blood family above everything else in this society is really it's weird
0: kind of toxic and i think that it whether we know it or not i think it has always been a way to excuse abuse yeah. and manipulation because these are your this is your family these are your parents like uh-huh. you have to respect them even though they'll do horrible things to you that you would never never tolerate if a person who was not related to you did them. Do you think they learned it from the church? <laughs> <laughs> or it's the other way around. Oh, no, that's true. From them. That's true. Tough to know. I think we should talk about the pressure on high-achieving children. Yeah. Because it is, it's irresponsible for one. I think because like it's not It's not fair. No. Right? It's not fair to put a whole world full of adult expectations onto a child who hasn't really consented to... Or agreed to those expectations.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a shift in teaching right now. And like something that is being taught to teachers and that is being, what's the word, encouraged to be taught with students is learning how to praise students on the work that they put in versus the results. Because so many of us, especially uh, this last generation of millennials going through school, like it was all about getting A's. It was all about, like, and it didn't matter, like, you know, take my brother and I, for example, like, for a long time, school came really easy to him, and he would, like, put in no work and get all A's, and sure. so it was, like, great, you know? He Where I was putting in, like, twice the amount of work, still getting Cs because right. I, my brain just didn't work the same way, yeah. and I didn't hold the information the same way, yeah. and it puts a value judgment on our children and puts an extra layer of shame and pressure into learning the correct way and the correct information that is just not helpful and then our children are going through enough learning how to grow up adding that like you need to keep doing like the it's not like it gets easier with every test you pass it's like it gets harder and harder because you're just like climbing further and further up and
0: the drop down is higher yeah yeah,
1: and the drop down is just terrifying yeah
0: i remember uh when i was in high school i i was like your brother like i got pretty good grades in school without really doing anything and i remember there was one test that it was like a geography thing or whatever and i just like didn't study at all, had no fucking clue, and so I fucking cheated. I, you know, stole somebody else's answers. And I got caught, which sucks. But I remember the teacher being like, you get such good grades, why would you need to cheat? And I was like, exactly. I get really good grades. So the expectation is... I have to keep getting really good grades because if my grades fail then I'm obviously doing something that deserves to be punished right. and I'm going to be punished at home for it because my grades have gone down. Yeah. So I can't fail this test. Yeah. Because then I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to be grounded for months because I got a a C instead of an A.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I was the classic, like, did really well in school up to a certain point, and then things just got harder, and I just, like, started slipping. And, like... The, like, disappointment in yourself and the pressure that you add to yourself of, like, you can do this. You've proven you can do this. Right. What is wrong with you now yeah. that you can't keep up with everyone else and why are you struggling with this? Is
0: yeah. When instead, if we just taught kids to find the things they are good at and value those things and put, you know, put energy into learning the things they can learn, and right. learning the things they are good at, like kids would, people in general would have a lot, you know, higher sense of of self yeah. and of achievement than just like, well, you're bad at standardized testing, so I guess you're a terrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. It's Plus, it's just like the pressure of generational expectation on children. I mean, it's not the case in this family, but for a lot of families, if you're poor... Or if you're first generation going to college, yeah, like the expectation is you have to go to college and you have to get a really good job because you are expected to lift the rest of us out. Of right. Party. Like It's your job to make enough money that all of us can get lifted up with you. And right. that's just not fair. No. Like, if a kid wants to do that, if that's their goal, then great. Like, awesome. What a selfless goal to have. But it's not fair to be like, well, because I spawned you against your will, now it's your job to take care of me forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's... We saw that kind of in Loser with, like, his, like, pressure. And, like, again, again, having... 17 and 18 year olds have the extra pressure of my entire future rides on me getting good grades. Right. Because, because if I don't get good grades, I don't get into the college that I want or the good or the better colleges. I don't get the scholarships. I can't go right. take these steps forward right. and I'm going to be stuck in this space that we have told is undervalued and not okay.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's just like it the whole system is designed to create more Conflict between students, right? Like, there's a, like, I'm sure we talked about this before, but you know, because there's a limited number of scholarships and a limited number of good schools, right. and, like, you could only get good jobs if you go get good grades from a good school. And, you know, now in 2022, you probably also have to get a master's degree if you want to go. get a good job so you gotta get a good score on the GRE you gotta be able to get that master you know it's just like it's more and more and more gatekeeping so that only a small number of people will ever have access to real wealth
1: yeah anyway we should let our kids be kids
0: yeah I feel like that's kind of the message of this podcast yeah the real crime in this movie is is how lightly we punish white collar crime in this country
1: right He's been, holy shit
0: has been ripping off old people for 17 years to the tune of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and he gets a hundred thousand dollar fine which by the way if you've ripped off people for millions of dollars a fine is literally nothing and nine months in prison
1: it is. Where
0: if he was an 18-year-old black guy who got caught selling marijuana for the third time, he'd be in prison for 25 fucking years. Yep, yeah, it is
1: horrifying. But because
0: white, rich white people commit white-collar crime, we can't punish them because as a country, we don't punish rich white people for anything. No. Why would we? They rule the world. Exactly. Because if we lick their boots enough, Maybe they'll trickle down some money on us.
1: It is 2022. Can we just accept that
0: trickle-down economy is a uh, total bullshit? Yeah. It obviously, like, we've been doing it effectively for the last 40 years and see where it has gotten us. Nine people own a trillion dollars and the rest of us are literally dying from lack of funds. I think we figured it out. It doesn't work. It's never gonna. The study's over. Let's
1: try something new. Yeah,
0: eating their organs. I am all for that. But I want to know what you think the central growing up narrative of this movie is. What does Cameron Crowe, in the lens of this movie, think growing up means?
1: I think one thing you can take away from this movie that Cameron Crowe has to say about growing up is that growing up is the experience of figuring out where you're going like lloyd doesn't ever really like have a clear path but he starts taking steps forward and that show like and that's him maturing and i see that we see that as like him moving forward with his life like he stands up for what he wants in his life and he goes after it like he doesn't know what he wants to do for a job but he knows that he wants to be with Diane and he is willing to fly to a different country with her yeah. and like leave his life behind and like uh have the clarity to follow through with who he is I also think that part of the narrative of growing up that Cameron Crowe uh, is illustrating is finding strength and knowing who you are. Yeah. Cause like Lloyd doesn't really change who he is through this movie he like is pretty he like he has a chance to turn into like a mean cold dude and just decides this isn't for me i'm i am who i am and he like even facing down diane's dad stays very true to himself even though it means like he might not get the approval that he's looking for and i think that is a really important lesson that we don't we don't let a lot of teenagers stay who they are and we tell them that they have to grow up and like where you can, where I think this movie in particular is saying like, you can still grow up and hold on to what makes you, you totally.
0: Yeah. I think the really beautiful thing about John Cusack's character in this movie is that he has this kind of like relentless optimism, But it's not like a naive optimism. It's not as if he doesn't understand the world around him. It's just that he sees everything going on and he just chooses not to let it get him down. Like he chooses not to let it affect him.
1: He's got this line to his sister that is some neurotypical shit, but it's very true to his character of like, how hard is it to choose to be in a good mood and be in a good mood? Right. Like he's very like, just it takes like it takes effort but like it's, it's your something choice you can
0: choose and like granted you're right for for neurodivergent people it is a lot harder it can be a lot harder to choose happiness but like he's not wrong no like, he's it's not a choice you can make and you can also choose misery and like it's never a good choice it's never. but I think this movie right shows that like if you let it adulthood and growing up it will take all of the joy and fun from you yeah like if you let it it will take all of the brightness and light that you had as a child and it will squash it into nothingness yeah so you have to not let it yeah right like you have to be like Lloyd you have to be devoted to something you know even if it's stupid just something to be able to hang on to that. Yeah, that light.
1: Find something that makes you happy and follow it. Yeah, let's do a lightning round. I can't get over how young the Cusacks are in this movie. It's so weird. Because like, even thinking of like yo- young Joan Cusack, I think of Adam's family, which was yeah. ninety-one, which is a couple years later. later still, and she's just. She's still... They're both still baby-faced. Yeah.
0: I don't know why. I think for some reason when I picture John Cusack, I think of Con Air John Cusack. <laughs> uh, I just, just saw Con Air too young, probably. And so, like, I almost didn't recognize him in this movie because he's so young that, like, he almost doesn't have any features <laughs> on his face. Oh, he wears... I don't know if it's just the the quality of the film stock or whatever, but he wears these, like... He wears pink hand wraps when he's yeah. in the gym. And I fucking love it. I want me some pink hand wraps.
1: I love his pink hand wraps. They're so cute. And he like, he gives the little boys some too. And he's just, Bunching on the him bag. working, him finding a job, wor- teaching kids kickboxing. Oh my God. It was like the cutest shit. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> Diane's dad does this thing that i personally would be mortified about but it is also a good tactic when you are raising a child of making her admit that she is special and like take in how big it is that she won this fellowship yeah and like how sweet
0: yeah. like
1: reminding your child that you worked hard for this yeah
0: you are allowed to celebrate you're this. allowed to celebrate no one can downplay what an achievement this is <laughs> i'm just so glad the days of calling a landline to to go out with someone and hoping their parents didn't answer or are long since behind Oh
1: my us. God, this is a nightmare of mine. Why, why, why did we have to
0: just like call people? I fucking hated it. I remember. I remember it. Man, it was terrible. The like, the like panic attack of like, please don't let it be your parents. Please don't let it be your parents.
1: When they are at the party and he's talking to his Guidance counselor? One, why is your guidance counselor at this high school party creepy? creepy? Two, a girl runs by crying with a boy chasing them, and they don't do anything. I missed that. She's, like, screaming, like, get away from me. And, like, nothing happened.
0: Yikes. Yikes, yikes. I know it probably wasn't, like cemented as a thing yet before this movie but i just can't see anyone wearing like a long brown trench coat and not think flasher like that's my immediate thought anytime someone is wearing like a big trench coat like this yes yeah, especially it's just you're naked under there and you're gonna show me your dick
1: especially pre-matrix yeah 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 no long brown coat makes me feel yeah, weird it
0: feels weird i always feel like he's gonna sh- whip his dick out at any point in this movie it feels weird
1: i love the phrase friends with potential that he describes to diane he's like i want to i will be your friend i want to hang out with you but i'm not i do have feelings for you and i thought it was really adorable way to say it. it's a little a little creepy creepy, but but like
0: a a good way to
1: uh, it's a it's a cute way to break the ice and like kind of have that conversation i think
0: Speaking of weird ways to dress, she wears this like all white dress. Yeah, so we know she's a virgin. It's like, yeah, but it's like it's a house party. Everybody's. She's just wearing, wearing a prom dress to a house she's, party. Like, she's wearing like a prom dress. It's like you, girl. You've obviously never been to a party before. You have no idea what's going on.
1: My last one is just the hat in the last scene. Her giant fuck off hat on oh the plane. My God. It's so 90s. If somebody
0: wore, I mean, I get that the airplane seats used to be bigger, but if somebody wore a giant hat on an airplane like that, I would remove their head from their body. Why? There's no way it's not poking nine
1: people in the face. Not why would you remove their head from their body. I understand that. Why wear the hat? Why? Why? why,
0: You're on a plane. There's no sun on a plane. So you can probably take the fucking hat off. Right. It made, it, that made me crazy. It made me insane. I just think that this... Corey, the yeah. redhead... The bass player? The bass player? Yeah. Who's always, like, writing songs yeah, about yeah, yeah, her ex. She says something like, all the best art comes from pain or something like that. Yeah. And I, I just think that's kind of toxic. Like, it's not totally wrong. Like, I know I have written some of my best material after you know, like really terrible emotional points in my life. But I also think that it's kind of like a toxic narrative to feed to artists. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of artists purposely punish themselves and put themselves, make themselves suffer because they think it will make them make better art. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like it just serves to destroy artists.
1: Emotions make better art. Yeah, it doesn't matter which. They don't emotion. have
0: to be. Yeah, exactly. they don't have they don't to be don't have negative. To be sadness. Yeah.
1: It can. I've seen incredible pieces brought from joy and happiness and love. That totally. like you totally can do. But yeah, like it's something like I like definitely is something that you grow up hearing a lot and is really hard to shake and rethink of that idea yeah
0: i also have a note in here about how diane does kind of a classic neurodivergent struggle where she spends all this time and energy like holding everyone at arm's length and then when she does go to interact she's like why is everybody so weird to me and like everybody's surprised to see me and it's like well yeah you kind of did that to yourself but yeah. it's like, well, now nobody likes me. It's like, no, I think when we're at the party, right? She says, mm-hmm. nobody here likes me. And uh, Lloyd says, nobody here knows you. Like, we've never even seen you come to a party before. Yeah, Like, of course nobody likes you because you haven't given them time to even know who you are. Yeah. It's... Anyway, I've had trouble with that a lot. And I really related. To That's that fair.
1: I really related to the dad crying in the empty bathtub. Oof! Yeah,
0: <laughs> a little to
1: home. <laughs> I have it in my notes twice. Just how adorable Lloyd is. I just think he's a wonderfully written character, and I he just makes me very happy.
0: This movie shows a good contrast between like how men and women deal with breakups. Yeah, it really like, does. They break up, and she just like lays in her room and she cries and uh, feels all her emotions. And John Cusack just like drives around like in the rain all night making himself <laughs> cold and miserable and I was like, Yeah, that that feels right. <laughs> that feels accurate. <laughs> Diane's father goes to like buy her a piece of jewelry and lives my like perfect ultimate nightmare. Oh, and he buys is, the luggage or whatever. Which is when you go you go to a place and you hit on the cashier and then not one, but two credit cards get declined. Yikes. I, I straight up, I straight up killed myself in front of that cashier right there. I opened my belly on that <laughs> fucking jewelry counter, like, well this this is literally the worst everything could possibly be. I could just die now.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was painful to watch, and it's so well written. You actually feel sorry for him.
0: Yeah, right.